Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. This morning we're going to finish our um, message or our series on what does the Bible say about death. I'm reminded of an old story of a king who had a foolish gesture in his court that sometimes said very foolish things. Uh, One day the jester said something so foolish that the king handed him a staff and said, take this and keep it until you find a bigger fool than yourself. Well, a few years went by and the king was on his deathbed. He gathered all his family and servants around and he said, I'm about to leave you. I'm going on a long journey and I shall not return and I wanted to say goodbye. The jester stepped forward and said, your majesty, may I ask you a question? In the past, when you've gone on long journeys, you've made great preparations. Uh, I want to know, have you made preparations for this long journey you're about to take? And the king said, I have made no preparations. And you know what he did? The jester handed him the staff back and said, I finally found a bigger fool than myself. You know, when it comes to death, you and I need to be prepared. It's a universal human experience. At some point, we are all going to die. And you need to live your life in light of that reality. We only have so much time allotted. And once it's over, it's over. My microphone's going crazy? Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I can keep talking and chew gum at the same time, right? So let's try that. Anyway. I encourage you today, there we go, thank you, I encourage you today to think about that. Adrian Rogers, I love his quotes sometimes, and Adrian Rogers says, we spent the first half of our lives wasting our health to get well, and we live the second half of our lives spending our wealth to get our health back. How true is that? He also says, you'll see how rich you are when you add up everything you have that money can't buy and death can't take away. I don't know about you, but we definitely need to take stock of our lives. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. And we're going to look at a neat story about a godly king um, in Israel. His name was uh, Hezekiah. And um, my message today is set your house in order. In 2 Kings chapter 20... The Bible says, in those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, came and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Set your house in order, for you are about to die. You will not recover. Now, how would you like to be a prophet and deliver those words? Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord. Remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Isaiah had not yet gone out of the inner courtyard when the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look. 
I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the Lord's temple. I will add 15 years to your life. I will rescue you and the city from the grasp of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. So how about that? One moment you get some of the worst news you can imagine. You're sick. You're not going to recover. You're going to die. Set your house in order. And then he turns and faces the wall. He weeps. He cries out to God. And God tells the prophet that delivered that message, go back and tell him, I heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. I'm going to give you 15 more years. Now, Hezekiah's life was graciously extended by God for 15 more years. And it's interesting because if you study history and you start looking at what happens in Hezekiah's life during those extra 15 years, one thing that happened was he had a son named Manasseh. And because of how he turned out, many people say, well, that was a bad idea. I love what uh, Ray Stedman said. Ray, Ray Stedman said in those 15 years, Hezekiah had a son named Manasseh who became one of the worst kings that Judah ever had, prompting some to suggest that Hezekiah lived too long. But it's important to compare Scripture with Scripture to understand the story of Manasseh. In 2 Kings 21, all you see is how wicked this king is. But in 2 Chronicles 33, you find out that after he was taken captive to Babylon... Manasseh repented, he got right with God, and he was restored to the throne where he reigned wisely for the remainder of his days. You know, only God knows what is best. But I can say this, what I want to focus on today is we've talked about uh, death for the past few weeks and what the Bible has to say about it. Ultimately, the, the application of it is you and I need to set our house in order. Now, it's great to uh, uh, plan your funeral. It's great to have a will, and you should do all of those things, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the most important thing that you can do to set your house in order is to know Jesus Christ, to make sure you are prepared to meet your Maker when you die. But I want us to look at three things today that we can consider when it comes to setting our house in order. Number one is legacy. Now, what do I mean by legacy? Uh, one author who's written a book, The Well-Lived Life, Live with Purpose and Be Remembered, um, Lindsey Green says, we're all leaving a legacy, whether we like it or not. Our legacy is a combination of the way we live every day and the impact it has on our friends, our family, our community, and the world, as well as how we prepare others for life without us. That is our legacy, and we are living it every single day. I'm reminded of a a psalm of David, Psalm 39, verse 4, where David wrote, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days, so that I will know how short-lived I am. In fact, you've made my days just inches long, and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor, Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. You know, we really only have uh, an allotted time in life, don't we? And we work so hard to 
get things and enjoy things. And then when we're gone, it's not our things anymore. And we don't know how it'll turn out. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Now, I think he's contrasting there the good man with the sinner. A, a good man is someone whose life overflows to bless others. We're a sinner. It's all about themselves, and God takes that and blesses other people with. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment as we talk about setting our house in order. Let's do a little exercise here. Imagine that your life ended abruptly right now. And tomorrow would be a world without you in it. Take a moment to get your mind there. I know that's not something that you like to do. It may not be fun to do. But just for a moment, imagine that your life abruptly, suddenly ended. And tomorrow, we went on without you. The question would be, what responsibilities, what commitments would be left dangling? What, what messes would you have that you hope are sorted out? In other words, is there some unfinished business that you really would like to take care of before everything comes to an end? That's what I want you to think about. When it comes to our legacy, it's what we leave behind. You go out on that lake, and it's fun to get out on that lake, but you see the wake, all those little waves that, that ripple uh, as boats come and go. You and I, we leave a trail behind us. We leave a legacy. How do you want to be remembered? You and I might need to take stock to set our house in orders. Maybe we need to repair a relationship. Maybe we want to volunteer to serve more. Maybe we want to share some, some of our stories that we've never really took the time to tell others about. Uh, whatever the case may be, think about your legacy. A second thing we can do to set our house in order is our family. Now, I'm reminded of uh, Jacob and Joseph. You know, that's one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is the, the life of Joseph, son of Jacob, who, whose name became Israel. Um, you, you know uh, that um, he was the beloved son. I mean, J Jacob loved Joseph, you know, made a special coat for him and uh, thought highly of him. And uh, yet, Joseph had this, this vision, this dream, and he shared it with his brothers and his, and his parents, you know, that one day he would be on a throne and all of his family would bow down, and his, uh, his siblings took offense to that. They couldn't stand him, and so ultimately, they fake his death, and they sell him into slavery, and he goes to Egypt, and they go, ha, we will never see Joseph again. And if you're familiar with your Bibles, you know what happens. It takes about 13 years, I believe, in the making. But through twists and turns and ups and downs, Joseph remains faithful to God. God is with Joseph. God blesses Joseph. And even when he goes through some adversity and some tough times, God is still with Joseph. And in the fullness of time, one day, Joseph is called before Pharaoh. He's had a dream and nobody can interpret it. And he asked Joseph to interpret his dream. And he says, God will interpret your dream. And he interprets the dream. And in a New York minute, Joseph goes from being a prisoner that was summoned to appear before Pharaoh 
to being second in command in all the land of Egypt. And all of a sudden, as you play out the story from there, this vision that a 17-year-old kid had of being on a throne with his family bowing down to him is actually going to happen. And we pick up the story. The brothers, there's a famine in the land. They go to Egypt and they appear before Joseph once to get grain. They don't recognize him. They're not expecting him. They don't even know who he is. Uh, he speaks harshly to them. He tests them. He, he hears their story that they've got another brother that's not with them. Well, I think you're spies. I think you're lying to me. And so he keeps one of the brothers and says, when you come back, you better bring that other brother or I'm not giving you any more grain. And so to make a long story short, finally, due to the famine, the severity of it, they have to make a second trip to Egypt to get more grain. And in that second trip, that's when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers after all these years. And once he reveals himself and they have a, a, a good family reunion, he sends them back to go get their father and bring their family to Egypt. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 45, verse 25. So they, meaning the brothers, went up from Egypt and they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. And they said, Joseph is still alive. Now think about this. Years earlier, they came back home without him. They had his coat that had been dipped in blood and they claimed that a wild animal ate him. That was their story and they stuck to it. Now they come home from a second trip to Egypt years later and they say Joseph is still alive and he's ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now if you're a daddy who's grieving over your, your long lost son, you probably replay things a lot over and over and over. And you remember how your, your young son was full of dreams and said these statements that you didn't understand how one day he would be on the throne and everybody, like family-wise, would bow down to him. And now, out of nowhere, years later, Joseph is still alive and he's ruler over all the land of Egypt. The Bible says Jacob was stunned, for he did not believe them. His heart literally became numb. What? He didn't believe them. But when, look at verse 27, but when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them, do you know how hard that probably was for them to do? To tell them everything that Joseph said to them? You can read what was said at the beginning of Genesis 45, where he says, you know, don't be angry with yourselves. God sent me ahead of you to save your lives and to preserve a remnant for our people. In other words, for them to tell dad what was really going on, they had to tell him the truth. So when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And then Israel said, Enough! My son Joseph is still alive. I will go to see him before I die. Now notice the, um, the, sh the shift there. Jacob finally hears the whole truth. He hears the whole story. 
And his heart goes from being numb to being revived. And now full of faith, Israel says. Israel is his new name that God gave him. Jacob is overwhelmed at all this. He's devastated. But he hears the truth and his heart's revived and now he's full of faith. And Israel says, enough! My son Joseph is alive and I will go see him before I die. Sounds to me like Jacob, who's also Israel, has now declared some unfinished business that's been left unfinished for years is finally going to get taken care of before I die. Well, praise God for that. And in the very next chapter, Genesis 46 verse 1, Israel set out with all that he had and he came to Beersheba. Now let's stop right there. Let's think about this. Your son, your child whom you love, whom you thought was dead, and you haven't seen him in like 13 years, and now you have verified proof that the the child that you thought was dead is alive, and he wants you to go see him. I don't know about you, I ain't taking no stops. I ain't taking no detours. I'm getting there as fast as I can, and nothing's going to slow me down or stop me. But Israel has a stop to make. He sets out with all he has and he comes to Beersheba and he offers sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Now why in the world would he stop at Beersheba? It's the southern border of Israel and there's not much there. Why on earth would you stop there and just just keep on going to Egypt? Well, that night, God spoke to Israel in a vision. He said, Jacob, Jacob. And Jacob replied, here I am. And God said, I am the God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will also bring you back, and Joseph will close your eyes when you die. That got me to thinking, what in the world? Why would you stop in Beersheba? Well, historically, it's an important place. Beersheba is the place where the patriarch Abraham pitched his tent and dug a well, was in Beersheba. It was a wilderness location. It's identified in the Scriptures as the southern boundary of the Promised Land, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. Now, the spiritual significance of this is what should get your attention. Because Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 21-33, that Abraham called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, at Beersheba. In other words, Abraham had a spiritually significant experience with God at Beersheba. And he began to... He had a well there, he had an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord there, and he called Him the everlasting God. What's that mean? That means He's everlasting. That means He's the God of every single generation. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now, two generations later, here comes Abraham's grandson. Getting business right with God. Then we also know that Isaac, notice that in this story, um, when he goes there to, uh, to uh, Genesis 46, 
And God speaks to him, Jacob, Jacob. He says, here I am. He says, I am God, the God of your father, which would be Isaac. Well, Isaac had an encounter with God at Beersheba too. Matter of fact, you can read about that in Genesis 26. It's where God confirms His covenant with Abraham, and Isaac built an altar there, and Abraham, uh, and, and, and also Isaac uh, not only built an altar there, but he called on the name of the Lord there in Beersheba. And now after all these years, here's Jacob. He stops in Beersheba on the way to Egypt. He offers sacrifices to God, and God speaks to him and reminds him of his past and his promise and says, and I will be with you. Wow. This isn't much of an accident anymore, is it? You see, when it comes to setting our house in order, we need to think about our legacy. What are we leaving behind? But we also need to think about our family. And if there's any unfinished business, we need to seek God about it because He can arrange it in such a way that you can get it all right. The third thing when it comes to setting your house in order is your destiny. Your destiny. Romans 14, 11 and 12. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Like I said, you can plan your funeral. You can leave a will. Those are all good things that everyone should do when they prepare their life for its end. But don't stop there. The most important thing is, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to meet your Maker? And don't, don't some of you that are younger are going to say, oh, I'm going to file this away. One of these days I'll get around to it. I've got plenty of time. You don't know how long you will live. People die young, people die old, people die anytime and every time in between. We all are going to die. We don't know when that will be. The question is, are you prepared to meet your maker? 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he's done in the body, whether good or bad. We all must stand before God. And that's why we're not prepared to live until we're prepared to die. Are you prepared to face death? The Bible says just as it's appointed for uh, people to die once and after this to judgment, so also Christ, after having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. What about you today? Are you ready to set your house in order? Think about the legacy that you're leaving behind. And let me say it this way for some of you that think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. You know, some of you that are young, you're only going to be in middle school once. You're only going to be in high school once. You're only going to be in college once. You're only going to have your first job once, okay? There's so many things that happen in life that are just stages that we go through. Just seasons that come like on a calendar and then you blink twice and they're gone. And you can't go back and redo those. You can't do them over. You can't get them back. Your legacy is being lived every single moment of your life. Do you like the legacy that you're leaving? What about your family? Is there a relationship that you need to mend? 
Do you need to have your moment with God in Beersheba and get things right with Him? What about your destiny? Do you know where you're going to go when you die? Are you prepared to meet your Maker? I say this with all that I can. Make sure that you have your house set and in order. Set your house in order today. While there is time to prepare, get things right before it's too late. Let's all stand. As the musicians come, I humbly ask you today to seek God as we pray and make sure that everything is right in your life and in your heart so that you can say, I've got my house set in order. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for this time to worship. We thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. Lord, I pray that we would set our houses in order today. Lord, we don't know how long that we have on this earth, but it sure does go faster than we ever think. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would set our house in order, that we would look at our legacy, that we would consider our family, and, Lord, we'd be prepared for our destiny, and that is to meet you. Lord, have your will in our lives today. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's never took that first step to trust and follow you, Lord, I pray that they will do that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.